welcome to the Modcast, our 39th episode of the year. I'm your host, uh, David Jones. Uh, joined with me today is Kev Rose. Hi, 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 mate. Hello, and and uh, Jeffron Perez. Hey guys, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. How you guys been? It's been a been a long week for me. Yeah, not too bad. Mm-hmm. Hanging in there as always. We've got this crazy storm hitting the northwest. Yeah, right I heard now, you had a so. tornado in Oregon. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like really close to the beach where I filmed my Sea of Thieves contest, like within five minutes. How miles. does that even happen? I don't, I don't even remember hearing about a tornado in the northwest. I lived there for like They're pretty five rare. or six years. Um, yeah. Apparently the storm system that's moving in was a spinoff of a typhoon in the Pacific, okay. so it's a lot different than what we normally get. <laughs> Had some pretty intense winds yesterday. I think they were saying there was like 80 mile an hour gusts at the coast. Nice. That's where you just yeah. stand shirtless in the middle of it, wearing a ma- waving an American flag. That's what I do. I mean, that's what most Americans do, <laughs> as you see on the internet. Yeah. Did you see that uh, little video, Kev, of uh, from Hurricane Matthew? Oh no! I thought you were just mocking. Uh, no, this actually happened. Americans. So some dude. No, that's, that's real life America. Yes, yeah, stood in, in Florida, took off his shirt, stood in the middle of Hurricane Matthew, waving a, Ameri- <laughs> a giant American flag and headbanging to Slayer. <laughs> yeah, it was actually pretty did majestic. He, yeah. Did he survive? Oh yeah, I think fine. so. Yeah. I've stood out in a hurricane before. It's really not. <laughs> I mean, especially in Florida, it it barely hit Florida, so. Oh, North okay. Carolina, I, I thought that. you meant like like a giant twister kind of thing. Like no, hurricanes, just long, like fast sustained winds. We had oh, a tornado here. Oh, okay. I was thinking of like like a heavy tornado, and he was like swirling up in the middle, Mario sixty four. <laughs> that would be awesome. not quite. That would be that would be cool. America, <laughs> that'd be super metal, bro. <laughs> Apparently, a note on that is apparently that guy is actually, um, it's not his first time he made headlines. He got arrested for, like, public disturbance for, like, shredding the national anthem on electric guitar and like, pub- some public place before. <laughs> <laughs> for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, oh, like, I'm like, what he's, are you, dude? He's like, so he's like a hardcore patriotic rebel? Yeah. It's yeah. such a weird mix. He's like a patriotic metalhead. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Welcome to the South. Mm-hmm. That is that is pretty much how you describe the South. Hardcore patriotic rebels. <laughs> they fly the flag of treason and they love America. Hey, talking about America, uh, how good was that debate last last uh, Sunday, was it? I'm still oh, crying no. inside. <laughs> I just love Ken Bone. Oh yeah, I know about him uh, because Mitch told me about him yesterday when I was recording another podcast. He's... Uh, what is he, the submarine porn guy? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he turned... <laughs> did a Reddit ask me anything. Yeah, he did turn out to be like this terrible person because he didn't create a new account. He just used his old one, and then everyone looked up his like past Reddit posts and just found all this terrible stuff. I didn't, I didn't see what it was. I just saw that uh, he was an interesting fellow. There was like multiple stuff, like things where he like suggested. He talked a lot about the uh, the four chan celebrity, you know naked photo ah. leak and stuff like that he, he, he was commenting on a lot of porn and the story I was told was that he commented on like a lot of pregnancy porn and <laughs> on one of them he said just look at this beautiful human submarine <laughs> oh my god <laughs> 
Uh, so, Not the hero we want, yeah. but the hero we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, news of the week. Rare, platonic, making games, gory detail. What do we got? Um, there was two. There was a couple things. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember what they were because I'm so prepared. Oh, uh, the, the final part of the making of Rare Replay by Lee Loveday. Yes, yes, yes. That was a wonderful finishing piece. It was an eye-opener when he uh, talked about the possibility that they, they, they spoke to, was it Alan Rickman, Gary Oldman, and... Patrick Stewart. Uh, Patrick Stewart, and one of them agreed to do narration for the Rare Replay trailer, but then mm-hmm. like the deal fell through, they were busy or something. Yeah, Grant Kirkhope style, <laughs> but right. um, no, uh, that was like. I mean, don't get me wrong; the, the the voice we got was great, but it was interesting to know that one of them said yes, and it's kind of a typical rare tease to not say which one. Right. What I couldn't believe is that, like, I didn't know who the voice was. I thought it was maybe, you know, an old prestigious British, you know, stage actor, somebody like that. It's this American guy. It's the voice of Yoda from the Star Wars cartoon. I'm like, what? <laughs> Blew my mind. He's also the voice of the monorail at Disney, which is really weird because it's a voice I know very well, and I obviously couldn't even recognize him. Very talented. So in that, in that one, does he say, you never forget your first train? <laughs> which? Dude, awesome. his voice on the monorail is so, like, sterile and, like, monotonous. It's like... Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Railroad, your highway in the sky. It's like super almost creepy. <laughs> I could not believe it was the same dude. Soulless. Soulless. Um, so yeah, uh, that that article, what else was covered in there? There was the, the lead up to release and the voices, the trailer, the E3 uh, presentation. Adam Park gave our friends at DK Vine a shout out. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was nice. Even if it was subtle and not by name. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about their uh, rare archipelago uh, illustration done by Cameron Regal. Very talented man. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, other rare news. They released on Tuesday, uh, their their weekly video, which was a short haul this week, short haul number five, which was about the hurdy-gurdy, and Robin Beanland uh, told us and showed us about it. It's a pretty, pretty good one. If you guys haven't checked it out, recommend it. Yep. And then yesterday, they posted a new Rare Revealed, first one they've done in quite a bit. Um, I, I have not watched this yet. I was... It's oh, really good. I missed really this, because um, I was out yesterday, and my phone died, and like my feed... Uh, it just my YouTube feed must have not pushed it when my phone came back on. Yeah, what what uh, was it? It was five things you didn't know about Jet Force Gemini. About oh 11 man, minute, eleven minute video, <laughs> really good. Yeah, I, I saw it popped up. But I was so busy yesterday. I had like a trainee shadowing me all day at work, and then we went oh, couch shopping with my wife immediately after we got out of work, and then it was just like, I, I by the time I got home, I'd completely forgotten about it. <laughs> Okay, don't don't spoil it, but was it like was there some quite interesting stuff in there? Yeah, it was all interesting to me. Um okay. I won't spoil it, but I would I would say it was definitely worth. It. I mean, all of these are worth it, but it was it was insightful and had um 
some footage I'd never seen before, and they talked about a couple things I'd never heard of before. So, did uh, they talk cool. about the handheld port, which got cancelled? No, not to, not that Ooh, I remember. Shame. I don't think okay. so. I think I would remember that. Um, no, they talked about its earlier development and, um, you know, like how it it was built on the Diddy Kong Racing Engine and stuff like that, which is okay. cool. Um, anyway. So, those are the two big things uh, from Rare. Did Platonic have any big news this week that you guys can recall? Because um, I can't. So. No. <laughs> I think they, it's pretty well, cool. I think to they've the been reasonably quiet since the Shovel Knight news. And the yeah. yeah. I think they're hunkered down and going to just try and plow through and finish. Yeah. Done with game shows. I feel like we're just kind of stuck in like this calm before the storm where we don't really have, we have very little news. Yeah. And then we yep. struggle to come up with something every week. Yeah. I, I feel um, I feel NX is going to be soon, though. I can feel it in my bones. You said that two months ago. I've been ago, saying that for two months. I know. <laughs> Cause it, Mate, um, come on. Back in April, we were convinced it was an E3 reveal. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's 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 got to be soon, though. Come on, it's October. We're, we're literally get, getting to like the last possible point it could be without an actual delay. So. Well, well, no. I, see, it, I don't know. There's, there's multiple theories on that, because... At this point, if they haven't shown it at this point, I think they should wait till January because they're going to get overshadowed by the holiday rush, and right. you know, you, your mind share is not going to be there if you don't. Like if you announce it right now, which I th- I still think they will, but I don't know if it's the best. Right? Move yeah. Personally. If it's not by October, I I'm very I I would kind of agree with you, but I I think if you announce it that late, that there's probably a delay. I don't think it's going to make March. Right. I don't I, think you yeah. have enough time to hype it up for three months and then well, just throw it out there. See, I um, I've consistently said I don't think they'll do another delay because the last delay was such a big deal and such a disappointment mm-hmm. to the shareholders. Um, mm-hmm. I really didn't, yeah. think, especially with that Zelda. You know, Zelda's constant delay being tied to that. Um, yep. But at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up being like a May June release instead of Q one. Yeah, and there's yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. The shareholders Somewhere. meeting is at the end of this month, so if they don't give the oh, shareholders anything before, before the end of this month I mean yeah. From a <laughs> people, business they're going to have some yeah. questions to answer <laughs> yep so that's why I still think it'll be this month so that's why I'm saying it has to be soon like it, like they're going to damage their stocks if they don't mm-hmm. <laughs> which yep. they already kind of are even just with like I, don't, I mean I posted a link the other day about how there's a stock ranking company that just cut them because they feel that it's going to be a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, which they really have no grounds to go upon, but yeah. Yeah, but I think partially it's because they keep pushing it back. It's, it's making people doubtful of them. Like, it's, I kind of feel bad for them because we, as a fan base, like as a gaming community or whatever, we are never satisfied, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we want everything now but we want it highest quality as possible and we expect it no matter what you know it's like things take time and unexpected things come up i like what rare is doing with sea of thieves and that they're not saying hey we're aiming for this date because they probably are aiming for a date you know you know they are it's it's a it's a corporation it's within microsoft like you have to tell them a date but as joe neat has said in interviews like yeah i'm going to give you this date but if something comes up between now and then, we're just going to push it back. Like, the date is 
arbitrary. Like, right. So I think that's so. fine. I think the issue with Nintendo is is just that it's been complete radio silence. Like we don't even know what the thing is. It's one thing to right, but to the, give an ETA. again that could be because they're perfecting it, and if they yeah. they can't get it to work on scale <laughs> production, like why announce it? Just end up with a Samsung situation at that point. No, let's say to rush production. Just at least give us a ballpark of what the thing is when it's coming out. Maybe show say what the name of it is. If they sh- they showed way more for the Wii. I mean, they had the revolution. They had like mm-hmm. they showed the form factor. They showed some tech demos. Like they gave us something. And it's just That's been true. So, like it, it, it to me it like reduces confidence in the the product. Like it feels like you're afraid to show it for so long. It's like makes people think whether true or not. Like what's wrong? What's going on here that you're not showing it yet? Mm. Are you pulling yeah, off what you're trying to do? I don't know. Yeah. I don't personally feel that way, but I, I've. Mm-hmm. If you go on the message forums, there's tons of people. Oh, totally, do. yeah. So it's that, still in that, in that regard, yes. to them yeah. to do it this way. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a good mm-hmm. business move to me. Yeah. But I, I, mean, like, I agree. It's, it's interesting because it's like the opposite of the Wii U. Like the Wii U they showed 18 months before release. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because it was at two E3s before it even came out. Uh, you know, so the NX is like the complete opposite. But uh, you know, uh, at least we've got stuff to tide us over. I mean, Yuka's pretty much a lock for March, is it? Mm, Q1. I mean, it could be anywhere between January and March. Yeah. Yeah. So we're probably looking at the last week of March. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would. Have, I would imagine March thirtieth. Yeah. yeah. But that's cool. <laughs> I mean, my birthday is March twenty-eighth. So like. Well, there you go. NX cool. and Yuka that week, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that'd be awesome. It's going to be too much. I hope and Zelda. Yeah. yeah, Zelda, Zelda, Freaking NX, a. Yuka, and then what if Sea of Thieves hits March too? It's just like... Right. I'm just like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do here. I need to like just take a week off of work or something. <laughs> I kind of have a feeling with Sea of Thieves that it, it may be more of a launch like Minecraft, mm-hmm. where they just kind of keep slowly... Adding and there's not like a launch day. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but <laughs> I feel <laughs> like, like there's still going to be a launch day, at least okay. to put on like a retail version and have something yeah. in the stores. Like yeah. maybe I don't know how they'll do it. Maybe they'll sort of mar- if it's really a in progress thing, they can market it as such. I don't know. I uh, yeah, I don't know. I just because like if you think about how Minecraft launched, it was in alpha, and you paid what like five or ten bucks for it. And right. then once it, quote unquote, launched, which I don't, I don't, I can't even tell you when that was. It, it switched from being an alpha to a a 1.0 or a 0.1, That's or, you true. know, whatever it was that they launched. Like it just it was an ongoing evolution. Like you you had your fan base, your save files kept like you know. Yeah. I, so I see th- it being kind of like that, you know, preview program that, going that into. That was kind of before release. Microsoft took over the company, though. I have a hard time believing that they would have done it exactly that way. Well, I don't see why not. I mean, it's it's a game as a service. That's what Sea of Thieves is meant to be, and that's what Minecraft is. Like, it's a constantly supported, updated online. Yeah, but you thing. You, you still want there to be a product on the shelf at some point if you're going to sell it. Right. Well, that's what they did with Minecraft. Like, it's it, yeah, but that was that was after you know the final release. I don't think they're going to wait that long after release to put out a physical copy of the game. Well, uh, that's what I'm saying. Is like they'll do the the preview program beta or whatever like they'll start with the closed beta they'll open up to the the xbox preview program maybe charge people 30 bucks for it 
kind of like what is it like arc does that right now right. and then on the quote-unquote launch day when it goes gold or you know not gold because again it's a service they're updating it constantly there shouldn't really be a mentality okay. of oh it went when gold. it when but it reaches like, uh, like a version 1.0 yeah, equivalent what yeah. they decide is it's ready <laughs> yeah then put the physical box out and go from there you know put the marketing machine behind it put the tv ads on but i could see it not being so black and white is what i'm saying kind of like a, a gray area between moving from the beta into the release it would make a lot of sense to me <laughs> i don't know anyway uh I think that's pretty much it for Rare news. Platonic didn't have any. Macon Games, uh, Nick Macon streamed a little bit of dev time this week, which he hadn't done in a couple weeks, so that was pretty cool. Um, Hopefully that's coming along. Yeah, slowly but surely. <laughs> when I talked to him about it, his hand still giving him trouble or his wrist, whatever it is that uh, the doctor told him to rest. So um, He's making progress. He was adding a uh, a new animation with a chainsaw to the final boss when I was talking to him on his Twitch stream. So, coming right along. Gory Detail's been kind of being more active on Twitter. Makes me think that they're getting pretty close to yeah, Rusty it's Pup. Coming. It's all coming. And it's all coming in March. Yeah. And still radio silence from Fortune Fish. Yeah. So, no idea. One day we'll know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Same with the NX. One day. They'll just picture so that, that, that image of the skeleton at the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. Um, now that we've wasted, not wasted, spent 20 minutes at uh, the top of the show, do you guys want to move into our topic? Yes, let's do that. Let's get going. Let's get this show on the road. Okay. Um, so so who, was the this your idea, idea this week... Okay, I was going to say, I think it was your idea, Kev. You can explain it, right? right. Or no. <laughs> okay, um... <laughs> Well, originally, um, you know, we were tossing around ideas and a, um, a friend of the show suggested maybe could to compare Mario 64 with the rare 3D platformers of the same era, which, uh, you know, that's a good idea. That could be a show in itself, but I think because we did the Mario versus Banjo battle as a video log uh, about, what, maybe six months ago now... Um, I think we covered kind of the same ground there that we would with a direct comparison uh, pretty much so uh, I thought maybe to widen the scope a little bit and just talk about in general um, Rare's reappropriations of hit games specifically in the late 80s to early 2000s but there have been a couple of examples since uh, but I sp yeah mainly this is what Rare tended to do was to take hit Nintendo titles and refine them and, you know, to many, improve on them, uh, or at least stand by, you know, stand side by side with them. And uh, I, I know you guys said that you thought the first decent example was Battletoads. Um, I mean, are you talking in, in reference to them improving on the side-scrolling beat-em-up genre or the, the inspiration from Turtles? Yeah, I mean... For me, it was the inspiration for Turtles. Yeah, because it, it's both the sort of gameplay of those old Turtles games and the, you know, IP as well. I mean, there was, yeah. there was even, like, talk of doing, like, a Battletoads cartoon, which they did, like, do, like, a pilot of. 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there was kind of a, you know, sort of a, an attention there to create, sort of create were a there, marketable IT, IP. Were there side-scrolling Turtles games at that point? I know the, the, the NES game wasn't that uh, beat-em-up. But, um, I think they were in the similar. I, I mean, it was a side scroller. You yeah. beat beat stuff up. Like I don't know what else uh, to call it. It's I like think Zelda the arcade Turtles. ones were Turtles. more like that. No, Turtles NES was a action platformer, but I think there was okay. a sequel which I probably didn't play. Yeah. Um. I I know there was some arcade games which which were very Battletoads ish, but yes, I'm not sure on the release. Yeah, dates I, on those. I, I feel like that's probably closer to what it is because Battletoads really felt more like those arcade ones and mm-hmm. I think that most of those probably weren't possible in the in the NES and then Rare probably tried mm-hmm. to make that work more Yeah, I could be wrong because I don't have the exact dates but <laughs> I know that there was, think... at le- there was at least four Turtles arcade games I think Oh wow! I think so because there was like the Turtles in Time. I think was the first, the fourth one that everyone remembers the most, and that was like Super Nintendo. So I think there was like at least three others. I could be wrong. Yeah, and I suppose Battletoads was very, very late in the NES life cycle. So yeah, yeah there probably was mm-hmm. like a few of these turtle games out there before. Um, yeah. Obviously, it took inspiration from Double Dragon as well. Um, obviously, later on they go on to do a crossover. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I suppose the reason I never really thought of Battletoads as a direct comparison is because the NES game tends to like mix things up a lot with like you know there are pure platforming levels like the snake one and there are sort of pure beat em up levels like the first level and then mm-hmm. vehicular levels later on right so definitely Which... an interest sorry Oh, I was going to say, like, I mean, I was just trying to think through the Ninja Turtles game. I could never get past the dam, and I don't really know a whole lot about the game beyond that. Like, I had it as a kid. I just, mm. it was really hard. Um, but, you know, like, the first area is action platformer, I guess, like you said, more so than a beat-em-up. Um, mm. But still, you know, like, you had the, you could kind of go into the overworld. You had kind of a top-down view and, and try to avoid the vehicles there. There wasn't much to it, but it was a different perspective and a different style of gameplay and then you had the side scroller levels when you went down to the sewer or into a building um, and then you had the swimming level which was the dam and, and so like I mean it, it, it was multiple gameplay types sort of like yeah. Battletoads I think Battletoads just did it better and did it more and I, I think that that kind of fits within what, what we were going for for the description yeah okay fair enough um, how, do you mind if I ask quickly why couldn't you get past the dam on Turtles I just sucked at it. <laughs> like I just remember dying. I, I couldn't even tell you what it was like or where I got stuck I, I, or why. I'm guessing it was the electric plants uh, when you were trying to yeah. deactivate the bombs. Okay, that sounds yeah, right. I, yeah. I struggled with those for years because I always used to stress. And then mm-hmm. I think when I was about seven or eight, I just started getting good at it. And actually, I, yeah. I never beat the original NES version without a save state. I'll admit, but I got to like the fourth area or something like that. So nice. I had the um, I had like the handheld LCD version from Konami, and I beat that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so, any any thoughts on Battletoads? Because I suppose that's more of a loose comparison than some around. Yeah, it's, it's more of a loose. I think, like I said, like them, kind of looking at what people liked about Ninja Turtles, the brand and the right. the action and stuff, and they they kind of just said, well if we were to do something like that, what could we do and how could we do it better? And and that's 
ultimately what it came down to. And I think they did do it better, in my opinion. I think Battletoads is a incredible game. Yeah, right. uh, I'd argue that Turtles is just as good, but Battletoads mm-hmm. is is Battletoads is the better design. Mm-hmm. Turtles is more fun for me, but that's just because it's a little easier. So it's right. swings yeah. and roundabouts. You know, they both got pros and cons. They're both good games. Battletoads like has David Wise music as well. So right, it's, that's it's also true. Yeah, the Turtles soundtrack is pretty good for okay. a NES, uh, NES game. To be fair, yeah. I really don't know much about the Turtles NES game, having never really played it. But mm, you check it, it out. I mean, <laughs> this episode's practically become a Turtles spotlight. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Man, I wish um, the Ninja Turtles didn't suck. Now, side rant. I won't. I won't go on farther than that. Yeah, I, I haven't kept up with it. Um, Michael Bay ruined it, as he ruins mm. everything. <laughs> Too bad. Yep. Uh, Continue. So <laughs> the next comparison. <laughs> um, I think the obvious one I, is is them looking at Super Mario World and and making Donkey Kong Country. Unless there's another one in between there. Uh, yes, yeah, the most obvious one. I mean, I think a lot, with a lot of the comparisons, I think the similarities between Mario and Donkey Kong are probably a lot less other than the genre, that they're both, mm-hmm. you know, 2D platformers. Well, maybe we could just kind of say how they improved on the genre. Yeah, because that pretty much... I think it like the what they did with Donkey Kong like improved upon the genre and like video games as a whole. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having like a clean heads-up display that only is visible when you see it, yeah, having complex, non-repetitive music that actually sounded good, and mm-hmm. you know, using you know, three D rendered you know, ACM graphics. It's like right. There's just and the level and the you know, amazing the, level design. The level flow and the level design that you could, if you were really skilled, speed run them without having to stop and wait for whatever most of the time. Right. Yeah, if you play yeah, well enough, um, you can play it almost as fast as a Sonic game. It's awesome. I, I was yeah. about to say, like, um, I, 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 I do sometimes think DKC is better compared to the the Sonic games of the early 90s. Um, you know, obviously Sonic was capable of much faster speed, but in terms of the way you can learn the levels to create a flow in a mm. way that you can kind of do the same thing on Mario but that's more of like extreme speedrunners whereas yeah. casual gamers like me and you can learn the DKC levels fairly you know the yeah. um, you learn when to roll when to jump the best opportunities like the pixel yeah. perfect jumps which batteries uh, to hop between because Mario's right. very designed for like you get to you get to a place you stop judge distances judge flow judge rhythm and then you make a move from there Whereas like Donkey yeah. Kong, it's like yeah, if you're good enough. Right. And there and there's several places in in uh, in Mario World in particular where you have to stop and ride, you know, a mm-hmm. thing on a track. Um, yeah, you know, that yeah, slows it down to a crawl. Well, DKC, you got the trick track track. Oh, that's levels. true. There's like yeah, there's a couple so, of those. Forgot about those. To be fair, yeah, um, I guess it's pretty. Yeah, there's a there's see, a variety of levels to Donkey. I think in general it is more flow based. It's a faster paced game, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I see. I'm not. Whereas you two and our good friend Clay and I think Agent Ape as well, you all argue that DKC improved on Mario World. 
Mm-hmm. See, I'm more in the camp of that it it was a good compliment to it. Like, I think Super Mario World is still a fantastic game, one of the best Mario games. I I do too. And um, I'd actually say like DKC, Sonic, and Mario in the early '90s, well, mid '90s, they complement each other perfectly. I think they're all must plays. Unlike mm-hmm. you know a lot a lot of games today in the same genre end up being samey and it's like just pick the right the most the most liked one and play that uh, but i think back then it was like i can appreciate the stylistic differences between the three when dave mentioned about the you know removing the heads up display i agree great choice it worked fantastically for dkc but mm-hmm. you know what in mario and sonic i think it works to have it there because you know it Maybe I'm just an old fart and I like things the way they were. <laughs> in some regards, I think you could definitely uh, limit it in some ways. Like, there's some stuff mm. you want to always know. Like, you, in Sonic, you always probably want to know how many rings you have. Because it's yeah. a lot more... It, it means a lot more in that game. Mm-hmm. But you probably wouldn't need to say, like, know how many lives you have unless you're paused or get a new life. So right. I, think, I think you could get away with, like, minimalizing it a little bit. Like, I really don't yeah. care for cluttered heads-up displays. And it seems to be kind of coming back, and I don't really like it. <laughs> like, yeah. Rare had it down back in the day, but a lot of people still seem to be, like, just throwing so much crap on HUDs nowadays. I think, um... I, I don't know. Sonic, it never really bothers me too much. I, yeah, they're usually have... fairly good with it. but Yeah, I... The problem comes when you got games like Super Mario Brothers 3, which is the worst offender, where it takes up like, isn't it like a sixth of the entire screen? It's just that bar at the bottom with all that junk on there. Right. <laughs> like, and don't get me wrong, Mario 3 is a great game. Uh, just that hood, I, I don't like that hood. Yeah, I, I, I'll cut him a little bit of slack because it's NES, you know, and having like, and finding a good way to present that that image on that type of hardware probably isn't wasn't the easiest task. Well, yeah, yeah but it so much of it probably is probably a lo- shit. Yeah, like see, I don't see, see why it couldn't have been like smaller at the very least. Like, my my theory to... is that it was to make the gameplay box a lower resolution so that they could do more graphical. Yeah. Stuff okay. In there, well, if, if that is the if that, if that is the case, then fair enough. Um, I didn't actually consider that. That actually makes sense. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, if you're right, then good call. It's just, you know, when you're looking at, like, you know, why do you need to know what cards you've got? You know, the, the cards you've got right. at the end of the stage. Yeah. Is... That, honestly, <laughs> yep, I think Jeff is probably right, because I think of so many games that have done that. Like, that's actually a big problem with the Doom console versions. It's like the the HUD is always bigger on them, and the weaker the harder, usually the bigger right. the HUD is to make the. Yeah, that's to, true. To make it, you know, actually run smooth. <laughs> but. Fair enough. Back in the day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, DKC, I also think, like, aside from the music and the graphics, uh, in terms of, like, pure gameplay, I think it's actually more simple than Super Mario World. I think Mario World does more complex stuff with, like, the, you know, the flight and the sort of, the levels are more, there's a lot more verticality in the levels. Uh, don't get me wrong, the DKC sequels got more complex, but DKC mm-hmm. One itself, uh, most levels in DKC One are pretty simple left to right affairs. Yeah. 
it's true so and that's not it's not a slight against the game it's just a uh, an observation yeah so. um any more thoughts on DK or should we move on yeah, I think we can move on Dave you there I'm good yep let's move on sorry <laughs> <laughs> just, no, just no. enjoying the sound of your guys' voices <laughs> <laughs> so I would say the next genre that Rare took on which is pretty close right after this was the fighting game the combo fighting game mm-hmm. and uh, their answer to Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. and uh, Street Fighter with Killer Instinct. I think this yeah. is one of those like uh, situations where they really took something like Mortal Kombat and just completely blew it out of the water. <laughs> it's like, hey, look at your sort of, you know, your real photographed rotoscope crappy graphics and we're going to do it all in ACM and we're going to take your sort of combo system and fatalities and make it actually fun. <laughs> Uh, some yeah. Mortal Kombat people will probably be mad at me for saying that, but I, I, outside of the gore and fatalities of Mortal Kombat, I never got the appeal. Like, yeah, I, I liked Street Fighter and Killer Instinct better, yeah. and I didn't play Killer Instinct, Killer Instinct until much later, but I always, always liked Street Fighter better than Mortal Kombat. Yeah, because Mortal Kombat was always heavily limited by what they could pull off with those type of graphics and have it be they could actually videotape <laughs> yeah and it was yeah. just it, it felt really stiff and it was just like mm-hmm. oh cool he's uppercutting and he's doing this and you know he's pulling yeah. him across well, the just, screen I mean I don't know I don't know it super well but like the characters were kind of boring to me yeah they you know because fun. you look at Street Fighter you've got like Blanca and uh, you know all the different weird mm-hmm. characters that are different dimensions and then you look at Mortal Kombat, and it's all just people in costumes. You yeah, know, it's and, like, and half of them are just the same footage recolored. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I don't. So, I, and I've then, heard I've heard the new ones are actually fairly decent. The, probably, I don't, I I don't know. Gotten, I haven't really got into them. <laughs> Last one I played was whatever the first one was on the GameCube. Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but like, I really liked Kev Bayless's designs for you know the ones on. Killer Instinct, mm-hmm. you know, just each character was unique and interesting, and and you know, you had a skeleton, you had a um, like a fiery guy, and again, I don't know the characters that well. I've never been that Cinder. into Killer Instinct, but um, <laughs> no, that is they're his name, very much guy. more interesting to look at. So, you know, and then the just the worlds, the levels were much more interesting. They were three D in the in the arcade version I think they were just flattened in the SNES version but um, I don't know they looked cooler more appealing and then the combo system I think was way better personally oh yeah absolutely like I love the. they're hard to pull off but like yeah I suck at it but I like that it's there it's like the best fighting game to like watch other people play like when you see people at a really really high level like Killer Instinct it is just glorious to watch Mm mm-hmm it's also soul crushing because I know I'll never be able to approach that level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the truth. I used to be pretty decent at Street Fighter Alpha too, but since then yeah. it's like the more the newer the fighting game it seems like the worse I am. Same. I was really good at Street Fighter Two Turbo, and then that was pretty yeah. much where it, my fighting game career ended. <laughs> I'm tempted to check out the new Street Fighters, but I just never got around to it. 
I think my biggest nightmare would be like going to Twycross and like having to play one of the rare devs on an arcade deck, a Killer Instinct. <laughs> I think I'd probably oh, yeah. kill myself after that. <laughs> when we oh, were there, which there was a little bit of footage. Yeah, Steve played Robin Painland. <laughs> he got his ass kicked. Felt <laughs> bad. Poor guy. No, but that's uh, you know, lucky him. To be fair, I think yeah. anything. I think even like um, you know the Banjo-Tooie minigames or something I think if I was actually playing a rare dev I'd just freeze up and be like oh, I'd be so nervous about embarrassing myself I would screw up yeah so. when we were playing Sea of Thieves we had a couple of sessions with rare devs and it was like I was glad to have them on our team but they were on the other people's teams too it was just like it wasn't fair <laughs> it was fun it was really fun I had nice. uh, Louise O'Connor on my team for one session and I had Mike Chapman on my team for another session because she had a meeting pretty cool pretty nice so yeah fighting games rare rare did yeah. a take on that and then uh, I think the next genre they tackled after that was the 3D platformer and probably oh, the no, most well known no, one no 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 you just missed the most important one. Oh. did it come racing yeah. Mario Kart. Oh, yeah, that was before. Good <laughs> lord. I was thinking Mario 64 was the next game, but yeah, the, their answer to it wasn't until later. Right. So, yeah, so, Mario Kart. Yeah. Diddy Kong Racing um, obviously originally was developed as RC Pro-Am uh, and then changed to Magical Wild Cartoon Kingdom or whatever. I think mm -hmm. it's the uh, other way around. I was pretty sure. All right. I think okay. we've had this discussion before. Well, this because there's fairly um, recent artwork and logos that say RC Program 64 on them. Like yeah. They had shirts printed up with that and whatnot, and like we barely right. have seen anything with timber the on them. Yeah, Kingdom Days. Well, okay. I don't know. So maybe it started as okay, RC Program. Okay, maybe Prom. it was. All right. So I I don't know. We have to look it up. <laughs> I, I feel like we had this discussion before, and I was proven right. I maybe feel I like we've had it at least out. three times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, we'll try and so, find so any, a definitive answer. But basically, they were developing a uh, an RC an RC program successor, but going off the Mario Kart model of being a mascot kart eraser. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, at some point during development, they switched. Uh, well, they threw Diddy in there as the main character because I believe it was Miyamoto made the suggestion, and yes. they ran with it, mm -hmm. which is actually really nice to. Uh, you know yeah, that, that shows they brilliant. also had a really good relationship, which is mm -hmm. good. Uh, but regardless of whether they put Diddy Kong in there or not, it was still you know a sort of friend, I guess, friendly rival to Mario Kart mm -hmm. because it launched six months after sixty four, I think, maybe maybe a bit later. But it, it was they were both in ninety seven anyway. Mm. Well, and, over here uh, it was a year after, but. Hmm? Cause it, I it thought was Mario Kart was 97 everywhere. Oh, I thought it was 96. Was it 97? That sounds right, but I'm not... I'm not okay, saying. never mind. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, because um, N64 was 96, but I thought Mario Kart itself... Right. See, I thought, I thought it came out like a month or two after it, like October, November of 96, but probably not. I think, now that I'm thinking of the title screen, I think it says 97. Never mind. Actually... <laughs> December 14, 1996. Okay, Ooh. okay. Jeff was so right. it did come out over here, yeah. That's okay. Yeah, me, Jeff. 
Um, so it was, okay, it's a year later, but regardless, what was the point you're going for? Uh, oh, uh, anyway, yeah, the point. Hey, can I correct myself one more time? I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> Go on. I, I looked at the full release dates. It's December fourteenth in Japan, nineteen ninety six. Every okay. North America, February 1997, and the EU, yes! June 1997. Good job. So, so it was much closer for how you did, guys. How does it feel to be wrong, Jeff? <laughs> like every other time. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, um, where was I? Um, yeah, so the point is, this was this was a, uh, a release close to Mario Kart 64, and um, yeah, it was always intended to be a friendly rival. Obviously, yeah. and um, whether it's better or not, you know that's up to the individual person. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I think Mario Kart sixty four is one of the best Mario Kart games, mm-hmm. so it, it, it is very hard to call. But I think Diddy Kong Racing edges it out for a number of reasons. Yeah, um, I agree. I think visually, I think the fact they went for full poly models is just great. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the, obviously, the, the soundtracks David Wise. It was one of the one of the few contributions Dave did for the N sixty four. Yeah. Um, uh, gameplay wise, I think the I think the controls are a little tighter, and you know, introducing two other vehicles. Obviously, that that opened up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, more more strategy, more, yeah. more possibilities, and. Um, yeah, I, just I like think the course whole... design a lot better too. That you right. could go off road a lot more. Yeah, it was much there was more, more thought put into the course design. Um, so I've got more nostalgia for MK64, but I'm aware that it's nostalgia, so I don't allow that to, you know. Gotcha. Um, and I guess the other thing is like Diddy Kong was so unique because it it brought a an adventure mode to the table, which you know mm-hmm. I, I suppose it's direct descendant would be Forza Horizon which is you know kind yeah, of surreal interesting but... it is probably the closest comparison <laughs> well, I've said, I've said many times that. like I haven't played part 3 yet but Forza Horizon 2 is Diddy Kong racing in a photorealistic world yeah <laughs> interesting I guess I Burnout s- Paradise was similar right. but yeah I, I've, I've tried a little bit of the first Forza Horizon and I haven't really got that much farther though when it worked free it seemed yeah. it definitely was better than uh, the Forza Six trial that I played, which I did not like at all, really. Mm. Yeah, Horizon is slightly more forgiving than yeah. than regular vanilla. Yeah, Forza. Horizon's more for I don't want to say casual gamers, but it's um, yeah, it, it's trying to appeal to a wider audience, whereas the yeah. core Forza games are more for motorheads. Exactly that. I li- That's exactly I, it. I like it. It felt a little bit more like kind of GTA with the everything but the racing elements removed and less like a simulation. From what I yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, very quick side note. Um, you know, next month I'm going to get an HDR TV and a 1S. Uh, mm-hmm. Forza Horizon 3, I'm told, is one of the best looking video games of all time with the right setup. The HDR. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I can't so, wait to right. see it someday. Can't wait to get hold of that. Uh, but yeah, no. Yeah. Anyway, back to Diddy Kong. <laughs> yeah, um, with Diddy Kong, the uh, the weapon system. I there's parts of it I like, but 
uh, parts of it I don't like. I like that it's you can kind of power up by collecting the same colored balloon multiple times, but I, I miss the variety that Mario Kart had. Great. I see that argument. There, there's, um, it's definitely not a, con- a complete obsolation like some of Rare titles are on their predecessor. Mm-hmm. Because there's certain things about Mario Kart that you know, I just really love. But especially Mario Kart 64. Like, I would argue that Diddy Kong Racing is probably better than just about any other Mario Kart game, but Mario Kart 64, I just absolutely adore. What, what is it that you like better? Or what is it, you know, like, what is it specifically? Is it the... Um, a lot of it's just the... I really like the track design a lot okay. in uh, Mario Kart. Like it is yeah. the, Mario Kart 64, I think, is probably the strongest uh, track design of the whole series. Yeah, um, I would agree with I'd part. I'd argue that eight does, but definitely of the earlier. Eight well, does have games. really good track. Yeah, design. see, eight's kind of odd because it has so many more courses, especially with the DLC than everything else. You get this good sampling of all previous games <laughs> courses. Yeah. Mario Kart Eight is probably my second favorite, but something about okay. the way the game controls I don't quite like as much as uh, sixty four, or maybe it's just nostalgia talking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite Mario Kart. Honestly, is is the first Mario Kart DS, um, and I, I again I don't really know if it's just because I got so into it and I hundred percented all the mm-hmm. challenges and weird things, but I just I really liked that one and the course design and the offerings of the I think that was the first one to well it wasn't the first one but it was one of the first ones to offer the throwback I think the GBA one offered throwback courses before it but it might have offered well yeah the but it was the first one to offer 3D yeah. Yeah. throwback anyway um, yeah I, I, I personally think 64 and Super Circuit are the best but okay. 8 is very close behind um, but you know as you, you're about the first what, person I've talked to who really likes Super Circuit <laughs> really I think I think gameplay wise I think it's the tightest really? it's just really? the course design's not quite as good because of the limitations I've only played it on an emulator, so I don't really know what it's like to kind of hold it in a Game Boy and play it, but I didn't love it. I didn't I, hate it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, it's the way I've always felt about it, and I'm, I've heard most people rank it as, like, the least favorite Mario Kart Interesting. game that I've talked to. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's un- immeasurably better than uh, Double Dash. Yeah. Like, I, well, I hate Double Dash, but that... but I enjoyed I, it, but it was lackluster at best. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like changing up a formula that didn't need to be changed up. Well, I don't even mind that so much. It's yeah, I didn't that mind the that. System was like broken. The, the system was broken because in Double Dash it was like there were a few combos which were completely OP and a whole bunch of combos which could never win first place. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, it was it was a it was a formula change which sounded interesting but wasn't implemented well. But okay. you know, I, I, I never did. got that far enough to see all those interests. I played it like a few times with my brother. And I hundred percented it and got the new title screen and all that. Uh, but did yeah, um, I just I want to like, say I used Toad and Koopa, yeah. Troopa. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't okay. really like the gimmick. I thought the courses were boring, and it's just it felt like a step backward from Mario Kart mm. 64. The art style wasn't really that great either. Yeah, it was pretty simplistic art style. I did like that it was 60 frames, but that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, it was the start of the uh, the pastel aesthetic yeah. that ran through a bunch of Mario Kart games. Thankfully, mm-hmm. Mario Kart 8 went for a completely different style. Mario Kart yeah. 8 oh, is I beautiful. love Mario Kart 8. It is such a pretty game. <laughs> it's IMO. 
IMO. <laughs> in my <laughs> opinion, I I truly believe Mario Kart 8 is the best looking game to come out of Nintendo first party. Yeah, uh, my my only gripe with it is the low resolution to get those graphics. I really hope they do an NX version and bump it up to 1080 because that would be so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as much of a resolution whore, so it didn't bother me too much. <laughs> yeah, Dave, you whore. Uh, I you can't whore. help it. <laughs> I, I, I totally understand, though. So Diddy Kong, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, I think I think a bunch of our friends over at DK Vine would say it's it's better unquestionably, but it, I'm I'm, I'm quite, in that camp. I'm pleasantly surprised that me and Dave are kind of like we can weigh at the pros and cons and we mm-hmm. like I, I I see them kind of as equals because some things Mario does better and some things Diddy, Diddy, Diddy Kong does better yeah um, if I had to play one right now I'd choose Diddy Kong because I just find it more interesting because like you mentioned the course design and the story right. uh, mm-hmm. but in terms of like hanging out with friends I think I'd probably go for Mario Kart Mario Kart 64 also has the best battle mode like yeah. I had so much fun with the battle mode. I do love Mario Kart 64's battle mode, but I liked the variety of the battle mode in, or the the multiplayer. I, I wouldn't say battle mode, but like <laughs> you know, the collect the bananas thing and the um, like collect the eggs thing. Like there's yeah. just Hatch different. The eggs. Yeah, yeah there's, there's definitely. Like I just I enjoyed yeah. those. They were all fun. I, liked the I just feel that I had more, a little bit more fun with Mario Kart 64's battle mode, and they didn't okay. really have anything of that equivalent in Diddy Kong Racing. Right. So. I think it's kind of you know well, that's the point that you it's hard to really say that one obsolete series is better than the other because they both kind of try to do different things with the genre a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's maybe the best way to look <laughs> at it. Yeah. I'd um one one flaw I've got to point out with Diddy Kong is I don't like well you know when you cycle up through the power ups and they get better and better. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you then get like if you get to the best power up and then pick up another balloon of the same color, it goes back down. Like no, it doesn't. Does no, it just makes the pop sound like nothing happens. If if you've got one of the same color, like if you yeah. have three red balloons and you've got like the ten missile thing, really, you hit another red balloon, it just pops the balloon. It doesn't. Did they maybe change that in the DS version? Or yeah, the DS completely... version messed everything up. The DS version, they okay. completely changed the mechanic. Okay, I, I must be... Okay, I'm getting something of you somewhere, because I thought in the N60... Unless it's different in the European release, which would seem really weird. No, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they would do that. Okay, yeah. well, I don't have the cart anymore, so and I'm, I'm actually planning to pick it back up again soon. Okay, so, uh, I'll, I'll test it out, and we can make a correction, if anything, but... Um, right. That was No, I mean, I, I, I think you'd know so. more than me, because you've got, you know... I haven't played it through properly in many years, so okay. maybe that's just one of those weird false memory things that I've just uh, ignored. Me. Yeah. Well, the DS version, yeah, the DS version, I want to say, really, really yeah. changed the mechanic of the weapons, which I hate. Honestly, if you're probably playing the DS version, like a lot, I haven't played the old one in a, in a while, it could override some of your memories a little totally. bit. So. But. Um, speaking of DS versions, uh, the Mario 64 could do that to you too, and Mario 64 is a 3D platformer. It is. <laughs> I've never played the DS version of that, but let's not get on that sidetrack because we're already going long. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so obviously you the comparison... On anything, Dave. Yeah, it's go. not that great. So this is probably one of the biggest ones and one of the ones that Rare is most well-known for is the 3D platformer. And um, an interesting story of them having an idea for 
essentially Banjo Kazooie, Project Dream, whatever it was called back then, and doing a, a modern 2D almost kind of crash meets, you know, Donkey Kong Country Returns um, style for for the 3D game they were working on, and then they saw Mario 64 and, and famously decided to outdo it. This is essentially the story. Um, and obviously we covered this on our video log, but um, uh, Dave and I think that Banjo-Kazooie was a better attempt at it, and Kev thinks that Mario was a little bit right. better, but uh, they're both excellent games. And, um, based on well, the topic of what they improved upon, we can kind of go into that. Graphics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say this about um, Super Mario 64 right its favors I have replayed it way way more times than Banjo-Kazooie oh, really? but, but replaying both both uh, Super Mario 64 on the virtual console and Banjo-Kazooie mm -hmm. and replay mm -hmm. like I I pretty much played Banjo-Kazooie non-stop until I 100%ed it whereas I still haven't finished Super Mario 64 so for me it feels like it's starting to age a little bit yeah. More so than what well, I, I beat then. Mario 64 in three sittings this week. 120 stars in three sittings. Oh my Good god, job, dude. Wow. <laughs> the first one I got 25, <laughs> the second one I got like 72 or something. I just I just could not stop playing. I I think don't get me wrong, the rare platformers and we may as well like like mention all three, you know, cuz yeah. 64 and 2E. Um they're all fantastic games. I know Dave, you have issues with DK64. Jeff, what but you, um, you DK? it's funny because I loved it when it came out and I played the heck out of it. I, yeah. I never it's the same way I hundred and one it or whatever the percentage was on it. I got pretty close, like up into the nineties. But having I, I recently restarted it and I don't have it on the virtual console. I've, I restarted it on the N sixty four, and it is not aged well. Like the the main complaint, <clears throat> excuse me, that everybody has is my main complaint. Like, it's really stupid to have different collectibles for different Kongs and have to go to a change barrel to go, you know, and you right. walk up a path and you need to get something as, let's say, Diddy, you have to go up the path, but then you pass a bunch of purple things, so you got to go back up the same path with Tiny, and you just have to keep track of all that and remember it, and it's just cumbersome. It's not really fun. I understand expanding, like, yeah. making it, it was almost like forced I longevity. I think if they had changed that one thing, not have yeah. Kongsus of collectibles, it would have went from at a mediocre game it is now to one of the best games for the console. Yeah, like I wouldn't have minded collecting 500 bananas, but as long as I could connect them or collect them as as ev anyone, you know. Right. I mean, some of it makes sense where you could put. I think you could put some of the collectibles in places that only a certain Kong could get to, and that totally. would be fine. But it's like when I like you know walk down a path with a certain Kong, see all the bananas faded out, and then it's like, oh cool, so I guess I have to go track all the way back to that built that you know barrel, change Kongs, come back, and then to realize that I need to be as the other Kong, I have to go all the way back. Right. And it, it, it makes it feel more, especially on the second playthrough, it makes it feel more like work and less like yeah. exploring and enjoying it. Well, the first playthrough I think is fine because you're so, the graphics are so good, yeah. so new, you're having such mm -hmm. a fun time exploring all the worlds that you're okay with it and you want to go each place with every Kong and see what it's like. But yeah. second playthrough it's just like, oh, it's okay, basically I how again. I feel. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, I, 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 I think DK64 is amazing, and 
uh, <laughs> sorry, I'll just stay. No, I mean, I think it is amazing. Like, I love the variety of characters and that each of them has a little bit different moves, different, like, even their guns are different, um, you know, think different things, and, and I like that. You know, and I like, for the most part, the levels. I don't love the level design. I don't like how they hid the load zones, but with all those corridors. But overall, I, I, I do enjoy the game. I think my biggest gripe is just that, you know, the collectibles are siloed off. And that you can't change a Kong at will. Hmm. Oh, oh. <clears throat> See, me, I think the biggest problem is the over-reliance on bonus games and mini-games. Like, Interesting. I don't I actually have any problem with the uh, sizes of the world, mm-hmm. the, the setup, the way the, you know, the colour-coded collectibles. I really actually don't mind that anymore. But, so my, my biggest problem is, like, you get to you get to the point where, like, 50% of the Gone Bananas are just like bonus games or silly mini-games, so they could have maybe trimmed it down to 150 Bananas instead of 200, something like mm-hmm. that, and retained the same quality of game, but like cut some of the... Because tr- a lot of the bonus games are the same one repeated. Like Some right. of those games you end up playing about four times. Yeah, that's true. So... so. Yeah. But... Yeah, um... <laughs> I kind of lost track of where I was going. Uh, <laughs> I still think Mario 64 is the best 3D platformer of all time, but its strongest competition definitely came from Rare in the same era. Absolutely. And, you know, it, we'll see how Ukulele measures up. You know, I, I, I really am looking forward to that one, but as of right now, I think if you're going for a 3D platformer, if you told me to pick five 3D platformers for you, I'd honestly mm. say. Mario 64, the three rare games of that era, and Rayman 2, like all from the late 90s. They just got <laughs> it so right so soon. Right. Yeah. Maybe throw a Sonic game in there as well, but that's a different kind of thing. It's not like a collective fun. Right. right. Yeah. I might. I, I'm not sure if a Ratchet and Clank game counts, but I would. I might, actually, no, I might put Jack. I'll probably put Jack and Daxter in there instead of Rayman, the first one. Hmm. First you haven't played Rayman 2. That's true. I haven't, but <laughs> I really loved the first Jack and Daxter a lot. I you'll have a hard time you'll prefer Rayman Two, trust will me. Will I? Okay. <laughs> you will. I like Jack. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Sorry, Jeff. You were saying something. Oh, I, I would switch in Mario Galaxy for one of the rare ones, probably. And I okay, yeah, Rayman I didn't. Too. I didn't think about. I didn't think about the Galaxy games. They're very good. Very, they're, very good. They're actually. really good platforming games. Like if. Yeah. A little, you know, whatever. But I really, I really <laughs> love them personally. No, they're good. I, I just don't quite like them as much. Probably mainly due to the platform they were on and the Wiimote. <laughs> I guess. Even though they're yeah, not I used just, that I love badly, the it's still See, that doesn't bother me because I bit. think like Mario Galaxy is one of the few Wii games I can play and forget that I'm using. Yeah, you right. do mm-hmm. from time to time, but every now and again, you get a little reminder that it's really not that bad, but. To me, it's still it's still a slight peg down, and I felt that a lot of the levels weren't nearly as because of the galaxy design. A lot of them felt very blocky and less immersive. Not all of them. Well, There's definitely some good ones in there that I absolutely loved, but it didn't to me feel as consistent as like the rare games, per se. Now I've said a few times my my one major complaint with Galaxy is that the a lot of the levels and missions are far too linear 
but that's the kind of game they wanted to make and you know it works yeah I can definitely say this the Super Mario Galaxy team succeeded in making the game they set out to make more than the Donkey Kong 64 team despite me preferring DK64 right yeah. fair <laughs> enough and I honestly support any games in that genre being continued to be made so <laughs> if, the, if if we hear about Galaxy 3 for NX launch title you know I'll, I'll be really happy <laughs> Yeah. Though I still want my Super Mario 64 too, but I've sort of given up on that by now. Hmm. But hey, you never know. For me, you never know. They, they ma- they've made sequels to old games way, 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 you know, in the future, like New Super Mario Brothers. So that's honestly what I'd like to see is like New Super Mario 64, <laughs> as a terrible name <laughs> as that is. Hey, I, I wouldn't actually be the biggest shock in the world. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo. <laughs> would probably even call it that too <laughs> I know they would yeah. even, more, even more confusing because you know, it's not on the, the like what's the 64 stand for if it's on the freaking edX it's, it's a less clunky title than Mario 64 too yeah that, see I, I would probably yeah. drop like only make like drop the 64 title at all just call it like Super Mario NX or whatever the title is going to be for this console, but make it okay. very clear that this is the follow up, you know, to Super Mario right. 64. I don't yeah. know. Okay. Not call it like, you know, new new Nintendo 3DS XL, new Galaxy style, or whatever. Worst name ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was a new Galaxy style. New Nintendo 3DS XL. That was the full name. So wrangling us back in, um, do we want to talk about specific improvements to the genre that Rare did, or, or how they improved, or how they approached it, or have we kind of talked that, um, it, and we should move on? We probably should, I think we can probably move on, just because okay. we should we should plug our video. We had a more in-depth uh, discussion on Banjo versus Mario 64, and a lot yes. of the design, most of what we talk about there is relevant to Tui as well as Donkey Kong 64, because of similar design philosophies. So I'd yep. say yeah. uh, go, go check, check that out, that guys. Out. Yeah. Vlog number four from a few months ago. It's mm-hmm. on the YouTube channel. You know yep. where it is. <laughs> you can find it. I believe in you. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. So um, I guess next it's uh, Star Fox. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about that one. Their take mm-hmm. on Zelda, through or kind of. Kind of. Though I. To me, this one feels less like an improvement in anything but graphics and music. But yeah, I would kind <laughs> well, of agree even with music. That. I, I'd say the Ocarina of Time soundtrack's better than. I disagree. Honestly, I absolutely adore the Star Fox Adventure soundtrack. Hmm. Um, I really like it. I think Ocarina's better. I'm, I love that David Wise. I can't deal. I, I need it into my veins. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Star Fox I, Adventure I, was like my I've favorite never game soundtrack Star Fox, so at I can't the time really since uh, Donkey, first Donkey Kong Country, I think. Or maybe the second Donkey Kong Country. Basically since Donkey Kong Country, it was like my favorite soundtrack. Oh yeah, same uh, here. Um, well yeah, uh, Star Fox is Rare's take on 3D Zelda. Uh, I have in the past referred to it as a Corridor Zelda mm-hmm. because it's mm. so linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in some ways, would... go ahead. Go on. 
I'm gonna say you, you could go. probably argue that that cameo was also a uh, progression from Zelda as well. I was just gonna, gonna yeah, it's pretty them similar both wasn't at the it? same time. Like we kind of did with. It's kind uh, of like Majora's Mask and like transformations. Yeah. Like the mask transformations. In some ways, I thought it was more similar than Star Fox because it felt a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. In some ways, there was a big overworld area you could run around in, and less didn't feel quite as corridored off as Star Fox did. Yeah, I mean they're both. Yeah, they they both definitely have their Zelda uh, comparisons. The difference being, Dinosaur Planet started development in a modified Ocarina of Time engine, didn't it? Mm-hmm. So. Er- we probably need to verify that more as I'm not sure if that was I, I've heard that before but I don't know for certain if there's any truth to it or if that was just something it might be was, an internet rumor that just yeah that could have been maybe. something I just spread around IGN message for and it's back well, at that time so it, the thing is you play it even on the GameCube final release and it does kind of feel very much like the combat with the staff it does feel very much like the repetitive sword combat of Ocarina right but um, I mean they, it could have just been as simple as like Hey, we're gonna clone the engine with our own code. Yeah. Because we want to make it like Zelda. So I, I don't know for certain but either way. I suppose I suppose the point I was trying to make was that um, you know cameo I can see in some ways it's more like Zelda, but I think in terms of the moment-to-moment gameplay, Star Fox is right more similar. Uh, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, Jeff was kind of right with like Star Fox is Ocarina of Time and cameo is Majora's Mask, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of, sort of, a little bit. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Star Fox, uh, as Dave said, um, aesthetically, it was a another hit from Rare, but unfortunately, like gameplay and overall structure, I don't know. This was one of the first times I was maybe slightly let down by a Rare title, and it's mm-hmm. still a good game. But I think, yeah, I suppose considering the long development, all the hype, and Mm-hmm. When it finally came out, we knew this was their final Nintendo release. Yeah. So I suppose the, the all whole, those things. Yeah. The whole act of playing it was just really depressing, <laughs> for multiple <laughs> reasons. Because I remember being annoyed every time an R wing mission would pop up. I'm like, this is not supposed to be here. This does not feel right. Why is this here? And then knowing that this was going to be it, like you know, as you near the end, it's like, oh, so after this, this is it. No more rare. I mean, it's at that time, you know, getting an Xbox wasn't really an option. So I was just the whole thing which is kind of depressing hmm. yeah great fur though great fur great fur <laughs> and that amazing soundtrack mm. yeah the water everything walking around the grass the ice like all that stuff was just like mind blowing at the time oh yeah but gameplay I wouldn't say it was bad I think I probably I think it's probably better than more replayable than like Donkey Kong 64 is now for sure mm-hmm. and I think in context mm. of not being the end of Rare I think I'd probably enjoy it much better on a replay and I'm actually really want to replay it but I don't have a GameCube uh, see I, start, I started to replay it twice in the last few years and I always give up within a few hours really? same and not many Rare games do that to me so yeah I think there's just something a bit boring about the actual that's how I would describe it yeah which is too bad it's been way too long since I've played it to really comment but uh, I remember enjoying it at the time just being yeah feeling it was too short and too controlled and felt like the Star Fox IP was shoved into something a place where it didn't belong yeah 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 oh well Um, so 
Are we ready to move on? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, get, get the okay. show on the road. So a year later, we got uh, Grab by the Ghoulies, uh, Rare's first Xbox title. And uh, this was sort of a direct... You know, not so much in gameplay, but in most other things, it could be directly compared to Luigi's Mansion. Sort of, yeah, as far as atmosphere and yeah. that, but... And it originally started as a GameCube title, from what I understand, too, so... Mm-hmm. <coughs> well, it was what they worked on right after Banjo-Tooie, so yeah, it must have... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember at the time when I first heard about it, you know, that's what I immediately thought, like, oh, so this is their take on Luigi's Mansion, just like, you know, Banjo was a take on Super Mario 64, and it made perfect sense at the time. Whether if that was their intent or if they came on it completely independently, I think everyone still got that impression. They definitely play entirely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more just an atmosphere thing than than a game. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm honestly not sure which one, is, which one is better in this case, because they're both kind of different. Yeah. And they both have their, like, there's a certain nostalgia and charm that Luigi Mansion has. I, I prefer Luigi's Mansion, sense. personally, but... I feel like I might be wrong because I don't really remember. It's been so long since I played Luigi's Mansion, but I feel like Ghoulies was a, had a bit more content in it. I'm not sure. Probably. Like Probably. But by the same token, I really liked how you could just go anywhere in the mansion you wanted in Luigi's Mansion rather than sort of just being pushed along from room to room. Mm-hmm. That was one thing yeah. I didn't really like about Ghoulies. Is that I couldn't just go back into a room without going back to a menu and reselecting that room. Mm-hmm. I I liked the atmosphere of, of Mansion better too. Like I, it was much more, I don't know, dark and creepy. Yeah. Ghoulies was much more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Was I, really... I liked the art style a lot more in Luigi's Mansion. It looked mm. kind of like the CGI cartoon, whereas Ghoulies went in a more of. I like it them felt both more equally. like a sat like a Saturday a Saturday morning cartoon vibe rather than yeah. like a theatrical CGI movie vibe that Luigi's Mansion went for. Yeah, I like them for different reasons, but I think yeah. they're both excellent. Thoughts, Kev? Uh, I, I think Ghoulies is uh, well. You know, I didn't play it till last year. Yeah, um, me neither. So, same. <laughs> all three of us. <laughs> all right. So, I, I, I think it was definitely a strong first showing for Rare on on the Microsoft platform. Unfortunately, I didn't try it at the time, mm-hmm. much to my regret. Uh. But yeah, I mean, I actually think Luigi's Mansion's the better game. This is partially because uh, the lighting and shadows in Luigi's Mansion are just breathtaking. Yes. So on a purely visual level, Luigi uh, trumps it. Plus, you know, a lot of the character in like don't get me wrong, Ghoulies is really charming, and I like all the characters and the narrative, but. With Luigi's Mansion, I think because it was a Mario game, it was more surprising the amount of character in it. Yeah. Like, it was. You could compare it more to the Mario RPGs in terms of, like, EGAD's dialogue and Luigi's reactions yeah. and, you know, just some of the little was... nods, like him singing and whistling and, like, the, the tone changing depending on your health. Mm-hmm. Totally. I might be wrong, but I feel like this is the last time that Nintendo really went for maximum graphical. Fidelity on anything. Mm, I uh, think I'd Galaxy say Mario they did. Kart 8. Yeah, Mario Kart well, 8 they did. Galaxy they did. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, still, they, those were limited by hardware. 
whereas GameCube was designed to be, you know, maximum. Oh, I see what you mean. So with the GameCube, yeah, okay. and that, so both the GameCube and the game were designed with that. With a lot of the later GameCube games, they went more, they started to go more towards the philosophy that was later, you know, put into the Wii of, you know, less power. And mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, that Luigi's Mansion is really the only game that sort of fulfilled like those sort of uh, tech demos we saw in Space World. Back in the day, what we imagined like the graphics would be like in the GameCube. Gotcha. So we just yeah. mentioned just like completely embodied that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> any more thoughts? Um, or should we? Move should on? we uh, no, uh, I mean I'm I'm good. Are you good, Jeff? Yeah, I'm good. We can we can move forward. Yep. Kind of running long anyway. So I guess would next be Connect Sports. It's the next one I was thinking. Um, yeah. Yeah, because Nuts and Bolts wasn't like anything. Viva Pinata wasn't really like anything. Maybe a little bit RTS-ish. Y- but you can compare it, Viva Pinata, to about like probably three or four different games. Yeah, it's like a I whole bunch of different things. The next time they really took something that someone else did and tried mm-hmm. to improve upon it, I think was Connect Sports. Connect Sports. I did not play the first two. I've only played Rivals, which is a little bit. I feel like Rivals is a little bit departing from the sort of. Wii Sports model that they had going on. So I don't know if you guys know a little bit more about these than I do. Um, I've never played any Connect Sports game. I've oh. played the first one a little bit, not a lot, and I've played Rivals a fair amount, but not, you know, like mm-hmm. super ton. Um, the first one, it's weird. Like, they'll, I don't want to say they'll, but. Microsoft, when they were marketing the Kinect, really tried to fight the notion that it, there was a delay lag in the input, but there's a delay lag in the input, and it was a limitation of the hardware. I mean, it's just the sensor just didn't have enough processing power or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it's a little disjointed in that regard. Um, but as far as the experience and, and the games and stuff, like they're very clever, they're very well thought out, and I think there's six in each one as opposed to mm-hmm. the four uh, in the original Wii Sports. Am I remembering that correctly? Um, I never had. I feel like Sports in Resort, the they added a lot more. In Wii Sports. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I think I've I mean, only played the like the, the one of the extra games, and that was like at like friends' houses and stuff. Yeah. I, I, I feel bad, but I don't know enough about the Kinect Sports as a whole yeah, to I, really compare it. I only but. know Rivals, which kind of abandoned abandoned the whole Avatar thing, which is one of the things that could really compare it to it. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it, Rivals was really starting to go... I mean, it, it took the base mold of Connect Sports, but it was really kind of going more of its own direction by having, like, yeah. kind of missions, sort of this weird sort of storyline built into it. And Yeah. It was, it, it was an interesting approach. Yeah. Um, and, and the Connect 2.0 was infinitely better than the Connect yeah. 1.0 at, at recognizing. I mean, the fact that it could recognize fingers, um, the jet skiing was uh, almost flawless, in my opinion. Like, I yeah. wish they'd made an entire game on that. Like, if Rare could have done Rare's version of Wave Race for the Xbox One, I think it would have sold in spades. Like, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Rivals, regardless of, which is kind of interesting. That was kind of the one that like killed it, but I thought it was for a motion game that was like really yeah. good. Like they had it was a, definitely the best Connect Sports game. It was just they found the ways timing. to really make the depth, you know, make motion control have depth and feel more like yeah. a 
real game rather than a distraction. So I really yeah. enjoy that. Because even the even the shooting game, which I thought was really weird when they announced that that was one mm-hmm. of the sports, I was like, why would you choose that? But it was because they wanted to show that it could recognize fingers. But mm-hmm. it is extremely precise and really fun. It made me feel like a kid playing, you know, like cops and robbers with your fingers. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd like to dress up my character in the perfect art outfits and play the shooting game. Yeah, <laughs> it made me happy. <laughs> yeah, the soccer one, the football for the European version. Um, is in my opinion the weakest one because you're yeah. not running around. It's just like timing your kick and I can I never feel like get you that had one as to much work. control. That one just doesn't work right. I, yeah. I hate to say it. All the other ones work like flawlessly, but I can never mm-hmm. get my my character to do <laughs> what I'm wanting to do, and it's really frustrating. Oh, see, I I don't have that problem, but it just almost feels like I'm not in control. Like I kick and the ball goes in and maybe they block it maybe they don't but yeah it, it's like I don't know maybe I just need to learn the mechanics of it better but it feels like you know I want to do something and I try to do it I want the ball to go there yeah. and then it goes the opposite direction and yeah I don't know I don't mm. know if it's just coded that way where it's more of random what you do you're just supposed to kick and then it yeah. randomly decides where it goes or I don't know who who no I, I sure it's supposed to be measured but if you kick too fast or whatever you know it's like anything with fast motion doesn't track as well because the refresh rate of the connect whereas it's approximating whereas like the other stuff like the wave race you're not ever doing fast motions it's very sweeping so yeah, I like the bowling know. a lot too bowling, bowling is really good um, I could never figure it out as well as I figured out Wii bowling but it was really good for what it was um my avatar. I posted a couple videos that like my avatar <laughs> would get really screwed up, or my um my rival, I think is what they're called, would get like he'd be like crab walking and acting. Really <laughs> weird. But other than that, I mean, just a couple technical glitches. Right. Um, I felt like it it needed more time than it got, and it had already been delayed from launch to six months later. Um, I think it probably should have been a one year anniversary but because of the abandonment of the connect i think it was forced to be released it didn't feel like it was fully technically finished some in my of the games did but some didn't yeah i think the yeah, majority exactly. of it was really, was really slick but a couple of games could probably have been used a little bit touch up mhm like wake racing seemed like it was done shooting seemed like it was done but yeah bowling a couple technical glitches here and there i didn't really, i never really had a problem with bowling the okay. only problem I have is when it would sometimes detect a spin ball when I wasn't trying to do it, when I just would throw it really hard. Yeah. You would see that as a, as a wrist flick, other than that. But I usually learn to compensate pretty well. Gotcha. Okay. Well, anyway. I think the um, room you're in really depends, too. Probably. <laughs> but it was, a, it was definitely, I mean, there was a ton of imitations to Wii Sports and Wii Fit at you know, kind of kind of lumping those together, but there was a lot of them from, like, EA and Activision and stuff, I think. Um, and they were all terrible. And, yeah, they all sucked. I mean, they were <laughs> awful. Um, so it was refreshing to see Rare, as normal, come in and, and make a really good, viable rival product or, you know, improvement, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did it well, and it sold well. And, I, you know, at least the first one and two. Yep. And that's that's all about all I have to say on it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Well. And then see if Thieves isn't really like anything else. So I don't really compare it. Yeah. You know, online a, multiplayer adventure game, but it's it's a new genre. Yeah. So I also think that's probably the end of the line. Uh, yeah. We're already kind of going over. So. Um, yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts? I think. Uh, 
I think Rare has done an incredible job consistently over the years at looking at the industry and saying, what can we do with this and how can we improve it? I mean, we didn't touch GoldenEye, but it was looking at the industry moving into first-person shooters because, mm -hmm. you know, 97, there wasn't a whole lot. You know, there's the, the Dooms and the Wolfensteins and stuff, but Half-Life hadn't even come out at that point. And they were Yeah, GoldenEye didn't really take an example and improve on it. Right, it took a genre take on the genre. Yeah, so so Rare's consistently done that, and and they've continued to do that to this day. And you know, even if Sea of Thieves is a new genre, it's still a, a first-person adventure game. It's still a shared-world adventure game, which are both things that exist. Um, yeah. They're doing it, in my opinion, just in a, a new and innovative, different way that's never been done, and that's what they do best. It kind of reminds me more of the the guy said about Viva Pinata, where it takes influence of a whole bunch of different things, but no one's right. put them together that way before. It's yep. Sing the Sea of Thieves. Yep. Classic rare. Mm -hmm. uh, Alrighty, Kev. Any, any final thoughts, Kev? Yeah. No. Um. As a, as a just, I don't know. It's kind of hard to summate just such a wide variety of uh, things, but no, I think like Jeff said over the years. Um, you know, Rare have consistently taken um, great games and then, you know, made not always better, but mm -hmm. at least strong companion pieces to those games. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Banjo-Kazooie, I may slightly prefer Mario 64, but, you know, that's like... <laughs> they're both 10 out of 10. They're both the absolute kings of their genre. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and obviously Rare have done more original projects as well, you know, stuff like Jet Force and Blast Core. So, um, yeah, I, I just think historically Rare have shown that they're more than capable of taking these big games and, um, you know, putting their own spin on them. And it'd be interesting to see if we ever get anything like that from them again in future. Yeah. Yeah. It's an exciting... Uh exciting to think about you know where this journey is going to lead and it's it's interesting to think about now because i know like you know just a few years ago we weren't really expecting much and now just right. to see where the company's headed it's, it's really exciting that we're going to continue this sort of trend of watching rare over the years and take things and make new things and take these all these other great innovative ideas and whip them up into something even more innovative so it's it's pretty exciting to think about absolutely definitely all right well, does that do it for another episode of the Logcast? I think so. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.